and we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señores y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you live, it's season four, episode nine. And of course, before we get into all of your favorite things that we've got this week, we're going to talk shout outs and mentions, our week in review, NAI Ball Podcast hitter and pitcher of the week, games and series that you need to be watching around the country, big series of the week. Before we get into all that and more, we have to tell you about our sponsor, Silverback Sports, shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback on social media. You need to be checking them out. They're an NAI-made company run by NAI coaches and former players and absolutely the best in arm care and training essentials. They are helping people out across all levels of baseball. They've donated products to me to give to local high schools down here in, in South Texas. A big thank you to them for that. But as well, they're helping teams out at the professional level. They're helping teams out at the collegiate level and so much more. Teams in the NAI, teams across all divisions of college baseball. So you need to check them out for affordable and durable arm care and training essentials. Things that you need. Chopsilverback.com at Chopsilverback. Do us a favor. Take a second out of this while you're listening to this podcast. Go check them out, shopsilverback.com, or follow them on social media if you haven't already. You need to be downloading the NAI Ball podcast as well. Make sure you're getting everybody on your team to download it, whether you listen on Apple, Spotify, does not matter. Over 3,800 downloads. Since the last time we talked, we had 3K downloads. We're at 3,800 already. That's going to keep growing and growing and growing. And that was just in a month. So super excited to see where we will be after episode nine, of course. Huge thanks to y'all who download every single week, who listen year in, year out, daily, whether you're listening to this show, old shows, doesn't matter. Do not listen to that first episode. But absolutely thankful to all of y'all out there what you absolutely do to keep us moving here at the NAI Ball Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 if you want to get at me on Twitter. And none of this is possible without the foremost authority on NAI Baseball. Let's bring him in now, the man himself, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, baby, what's going on? Uh, Not much, man. Just living life, doing well. How are you, buddy? How's life going? It's going. uh, You know, work is work is been crazy so I'm um, I'm thankful to jump on this podcast with you man and talk some baseball and and you know I've already gotten to watch finish one game today which was uh Ave Maria taking a big one off of St. Thomas today that's absolutely huge for them a five run fifth inning uh Brody Rubenstein with a three run triple I believe they had uh Kristen Whitlatch with three innings out of the pen scoreless uh so just a, a huge Huge, huge win for Ave Maria over St. Thomas University. Right now, as we're doing this podcast on Tuesday, 323, I'm watching Oklahoma Wesleyan and Friends. It's 8 nothing Oklahoma Wesleyan over Friends in the bottom of the fifth. So we are constantly watching games from around the nation. So totally, totally, totally excited to be here with you, Cody. But first and foremost, man, we're going to give an update really quickly on our uh, tournament challenge on ESPN.com, our bracket challenge that's going on. So here's a couple of people in the hunt. Trey Adam McPherson is in the hunt. His champion is still alive. He's got Gonzaga, so he's still rolling. He's currently tied for fourth place. Also, Mikey Perez-Negron out of Ben U. He is also tied for fourth place. I recognize that Mikey baseball name anywhere there. So he's tied for fourth place as well. His national champion is still alive with Gonzaga. Tied for second, Jacob Popovich out of Graceland. Is tied for second currently, but he's going to have a hard time holding that as uh, Ohio State has been eliminated. That was the team he had winning it all. John Ward out of Ottawa has Baylor winning it all. He's still alive and eligible to win it. He's tied for second, but right now winning after the first and second rounds is Ryan Troxel out of Indiana Tech. Cody, I don't even want to talk about my bracket. It's not going very well. Just so many upsets in the NCAA men's basketball tournament and uh you were with me for a very rough saturday night for me yes i had way more belief than you i actually told you i texted you i was like he's gonna miss these free throws texas is gonna <laughs> win and you were like no he's gonna sink both we're gonna lose and you were right you know you called it I've, I've seen that movie before i think uh the last time ut was in a 
NCAA uh, tournament game, Northern Iowa hit a half court shot to win it. I mean, I've, I've seen this movie before and I've seen it way too long and, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with Shaka Smart as, you know, I think there's only going to be like four players coming back next year. So uh, your Alabama team, though, is doing a lot better. I was hoping that you and I would have something a lot to talk about this weekend, but I uh, I should have known a little bit better that, you know, the Horns would find a way to just absolutely let me down. I mean, they marched on past Maryland last night, uh, UCLA up first, and then, you know, hopefully we take out whether it's going to be Michigan or Florida State, it'll be good to see. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously big time for Bama. It's the first time they've been in the Sweet 16 since 2004. Wow, absolutely huge for the Crimson Tide, but we've got plenty of NAI baseball to talk about here. Season 4, Episode 9 of the NAI Ball Podcast. Robbie Gutierrez and Cody Butler here with you as always. Shout out to Intern as well for all the work he does for us. We'll get things going with shout outs and mentions. Best of the week. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the mid-season point as well because that's pretty much where we are, Cody, with like five weeks of regular season left to go. But let's kick things off with shout outs and mentions, and we want to give a shout out to Midland head baseball coach Chad Miller won his 400th game in an upset win over number 24 Concordia University Nebraska on Sunday. Tennessee Wesleyan ace Kobe Foster struck out 16 in eight innings of a two-hit baseball in their lone win over Columbia International. Nine consecutive Ks from the fourth through the sixth inning for Foster. St. Catherine left fielder Dylan Jacob finished 10 for 16 at the plate, five home runs, 11 RBIs. He's hitting 506 this season with 12 home runs, 36 RBIs for him. Taylor starting pitcher Luke Shively threw nine-inning, three-hit shutout over Mount Vernon Nazarene. The Trojans, they sweep the crossroads series and extend their winning streak to 16 games. And Cody, I believe now with a couple of uh, losses by teams this weekend, that might be the longest active winning streak in the nation. Clark starting pitcher Alec Thomas tied a program record with 15 strikeouts in six innings. He now has a .83 ERA and with 55 punchouts and 33 innings. Right fielder Darius Bradley hit three home runs with 14 RBIs. The Pride have won 10 in a row. McPherson, second baseman James Canner, had an absolutely big, big, big day at the plate, hitting five home runs over the week with 17 RBIs. The Bulldogs swept the KCAC series over Avila. Shawnee State starting pitcher Kyle Wisniewski threw a nine-inning complete game gem with 11 Ks in a 2-1 to win over Bethel. The Bears took 2-3 of off a red-hot Bethel club. Cumberland center fielder Brian Leaf went 3-3 three for three with three home runs in the series finale in their sweep over Martin Methodist. He's now second in the nation in home runs with 14. Preseason All-American and Kaiser third baseman Tim Bouchard had 10 hits, including three home runs and 11 RBIs in a Sun Conference Series sweep over USCB. Georgetown starting pitcher Johan Castillo threw a complete game, one-hit shutout over number 19 Freed Hardeman. FHU took the Mid-South Series over G-Town two games to one. Baker center fielder Jared Parenti compiled 12 hits, three home runs, nine RBIs. He also made several game-changing plays out in center for Baker. And then Bethany starting pitcher Manuel Rodriguez went 11 innings without allowing an earned run in the win over Sterling. Cody, what jumps out to you the most of this week's shout-outs? Well, honestly, there were some like terrific performances across the country this weekend. It was really hard to choose our player of the week. But I just want to give another shout-out to Coach Miller over at Midland. You know, he's followed in the eyeball since we started back in 2017. Uh, he was a part of that crazy regional back in Oklahoma, Wesleyan, over there at Barrelsville, out there in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. So, yeah, just shout-out to Coach Miller. Man, he's an NEA lifer. Uh, he played at Viterbo. He's the all-time winningest coach at Viterbo. Coached there for nine years, and now he's over in Nebraska at Midland. So just shout out to him, man. He's always been a huge supporter of us. Yeah, Chad Miller, you know, definitely keeps up with a lot of things going on around the nation. So we're definitely thankful uh, to him for, you know, being a part of, you know, this elite group of coaches that we have at this level. And then, you know, congratulations on your 400th win as a head baseball coach there as well. Cody, let's move on to our best of the week, week in review. And we've got some really good ones this week, man, to talk about. Central Methodist is where we'll start versus Mid-America Nazarene. CMU wins the series three games to one, six to three Central Methodist, six to three Central Methodist in game two, six five MNU in game number three, and then Central Methodist wins the series with a 10-4 victory in game number four. Tell me a little bit about what was our big series of the week. Yeah, man, we knew going into it, this is going to be the number one and number two teams in the heart playing against each other. Big Friday doubleheader sweep for Central Methodist on the road. 
Uh, Devin Garcia, clutch three-run home run in the game one. Mason Schwellebach added a big two-run home run later in the day. Uh, Kenny Otero went five innings with three-earned run. Game two was tied two to two late, went to extra innings. Uh, CMU scored four runs in the eighth to take control. Nick Markle got the well-deserved win. Seven and a third inning, struck out 13. Just a big-time pitching performance from Markle, 13 punch-outs. Uh, they came back, had a couple days off, came back out there on Monday. Uh, Randy Fernandez for Mid-American Nazarene, he hit three home runs in the series. His three RBI performance in game three helped them win that game. And on the Eagles bounce back in game four, it's kind of all a CMU. Nine-hole hitter Devin Garcia hit another home run. He actually finished the series with three home runs and eight RBIs out of the nine-hole. Just shows how deep that CMU lineup is. And uh, yeah, man, big series win for Central Methodist. They kind of submit themselves as the top team in that conference. Absolutely. Totally agree in that. Uh, a huge series win for Central Methodist in the Hart Conference. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely putting themselves out in front. Currently 6-1 and one overall. William Penn right now, Cody, 7-1. and one. We'll talk about them a little bit later as well as Clark, who's 8-0 right now. But Central Methodist, I think, with a body of work at 19-3 and three overall, definitely the favorite so far there in the heart. Tennessee Wesleyan and Columbia International. This one, Cody, was a big upset. CIU wins the series versus Tennessee Wesleyan, two games to one, 5-3 CIU, 6-1 Tennessee Wesleyan, and then 4-2 CIU. You a huge series win, and we saw Columbia International play Southeastern really tough in Lakeland when they were number one. So it looks like Columbia International really comes out to play against those high ranked teams. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, they get up for the number one team in the country. I think about this is our ninth episode of the season, and our very first episode, we were talking about them pushing Southeastern to the wire and just honestly come out there and win the conference series on the road over a team that was literally entered the weekend, 22-0. It's just literally incredible. Uh, and they set the tone early, man. Robert Bell, a huge three-run home run in the first inning of that first game, top half of the inning, and a three-run home run. They never looked back. They led the entire nine innings. Joshua Hernandez, he hit a two-run home run in the fifth, extended that lead to 5-1. to one. Uh, Justin Parrish, a Mill Creek High School alumni, actually right down the road from me, Gwinnett County. Uh, he went six innings, two earned, five strikeouts. And that was just a big win, man. They took that Friday win, 5-3, to three, got to go home and sleep on it. Uh, they come back out, and Kobe Foster for Tennessee Wesleyan pitches an absolute gem. They respond the way you would expect them to. Eight innings, 16 strikeouts, masterful performance. Uh, so you got the series tied 1-1, right? We're going into game three, and it's all Tennessee Wesleyan through six. Irving Martin, one of their quality starters, he has a one-hit shutout through six innings. Uh, Tennessee Wesleyan's up 2-0. They're three outs away from getting the series win. They go to the bullpen. And Columbia International responds with four runs. They take a 4-2 to two lead out of nowhere, stun the number one team in the country, give the ball back to their starter, uh, Trent Polly, who went out there seven innings. He got three outs, finished the game, complete game win. And just like that, CIU stuns TWU, and they take the series 2-3. to three. I mean, it's just really incredible stuff. Big-time performances from Trent Polly and Justin Parrish, great pitching performances. Uh, to do it on the road, man, CIU being a second-year program, they started baseball last year in 2020. Didn't even get a full season under their belt because of COVID. Just really an impressive stuff by them, man. Really good stuff. Yeah, a big win for them. And as of, you know, when we're doing this podcast, it's about, you know, around 5.30 Central Standard Time. And, uh, you know, Tennessee Wesleyan here on, on 323. Tennessee Wesleyan 10-2 in the AAC. Columbia International moves to 6-6, 14-12 six six, overall. But for the second-year program, just Absolutely the biggest win so far in program history and the biggest series win so far for them. And I'm sure the way that they're playing uh, down the road, a lot more to come. Faulkner versus William Carey. Faulkner wins the series two games to one. But game number one of this series, Cody, went to William Carey in a 5-2 to two win there. But then Faulkner 9 nothing, and then 6-5 in the rubber match for Faulkner in 10 innings. Honestly, a big-time series. We were looking for both of these teams to step it up in competition, and, I mean, they delivered. Sloan Dieter, the just talented two-way player for William Carey, nine-inning gem on Friday. Friday night, got the win 5-2, to two, threw nine innings, struck out eight. Just a big-time performance by him. Only allowed one earned run. Uh, the leadoff hitter, Blake Freeman, doubled twice, and he had an RBI. Faulkner responded with a no-hitter from Antonio Frias. Just incredible performance by him. His no-hitter actually snapped William Carey's 14-game winning streak. Uh, John Michael Matthews, he doubled hit, two RBIs. Justice Lucas had two hits. So it all came down to game three, kind of like the last series. Series split one-to-one, game three. Heck of a game. William Carey led five-to-two in the ninth. 
Uh, Faulkner rallied for three runs, forced extras. Uh, Big-time performance there to just kind of clutch up, push this game a little bit further. Bases loaded two outs in the bottom of the 10th. Sean Ross hit a sky-high pop-up to center field, kind of got lost in the lights. William Carey couldn't find it, and the ball dropped in. Uh, they take the game. They take the series. So big-time stuff for Faulkner. William Carey was three outs away, up three from winning the series, and Faulkner said, no, thank you. And uh, so big time for Faulkner. I mean, they haven't played in a couple of weeks. So to just come out there and take two of three off a team that entered winning 13 in a row, big time stuff. Faulkner improves to 12 and two. They're two and one in a Southern States Athletic Conference play. William Carey, one and two in SSAC play, but 16 and four overall. Cody, let's keep it here with the Southern States, Mobile and Middle Georgia State. Mobile wins the series two games to one, 12 to two Mobile, seven to two Mobile, and then Middle Georgia State in third game salvages with a 19-5 to offensive statement win. Yeah, honestly, a huge series upset we didn't see coming. Middle Georgia coming into this ranked the number 11 team in the country, playing very well this year. And uh, just dominant pitching from Mobile on that Friday. It was a doubleheader sweep on Friday. Tucker Musgrove went five innings of one-hit shutout baseball. Uh, Bailey Sellers in game two, the nine-inning game, he went all nine. Nine innings pitch, one earned, six strikeouts. So just dominant starting pitching. Zach Presnell finished the doubleheader 5 of 10 with two doubles, a triple, and three RBIs. And Christian Poche went 3 of 7 with a double and three RBIs. Yeah, like I said, just dominant pitching, well timely hitting. Uh, Middle Georgia obviously bounced back on Saturday, scoring 19 runs on 20 hits. Uh, they scored in all seven innings, actually put up multiple runs in six of seven. So they bounced back and salvaged the game when they really needed to. Because when you're going to play teams like William Carey and Faulkner, every game counts. No, absolutely agree for that. Uh, Mobile two and one in SSAC play, and Middle Georgia State one and two in SSAC play. Let's take it out to the GSAC where we never know what is going to happen. And in this one, Vanguard and Westmont split the series, Cody, two games apiece 6 4 Westmont, 10 4 Westmont, 8 5 Vanguard, 12 10 Vanguard. Yeah, man, like right when we think we know. Like, okay, Vanguard's clearly the top dog in this conference. It's like, oh, Westmont says, eh, hold on a minute. Friday night sweep by Westmont, uh, Saturday sweep by Vanguard. So they both split a day, taking two games each. Really tight series, man. Westmont outscored Vanguard 30-28 to 28 on the weekend. Uh, obviously a huge week for Simon Reed, our player of the week. Uh, he erased a 4-1 deficit in game two. Massive go-ahead grand slam. Just big-time week for Simon Reed. Three home runs with the 12 RBIs. Uh, Vanguard third baseman Omar Ortiz. I feel like we talk about him every week. He hit three home runs this series. Just masterful performance by him again. Matt Land homered a couple of games for Vanguard. Just a true G-Sack split, man. I mean, just one team takes two games on Friday. One team takes two games on Saturday. This is kind of what you get in the G-Sack, it seems like, every week. I mean, this is kind of off topic, but looking at Hope International, the number 10 team in the country, they take two games on Friday over William Jessup. And what's William Jessup do on Saturday? They take two off number 10, Hope International. So this is usually what you get in the GSAC, man. You play four games, you're going to see a lot of 2-2 splits. Vanguard 13-3 and in GSAC play right now. Westmont 9-7. and You mentioned Hope International. They're sitting at 11-5 and as well. Cody, a lot of upsets this week. Kind of takes us into our midseason baseball discussion. Uh, it was kind of a wild weekend, you know, in the NAI for upsets. and. There's a lot of teams around the nation who are kind of jumping up and surprising some people. I think uh, Indiana Wesleyan would be one of those at 22 and eight. Uh, for myself right now, Huntington 15 and five, Briarcliff at 19 and two. I, I did not see Concordia, Nebraska being 16 and three at this point. McPherson 21 and two. Oklahoma Wesleyan right now on their way to, a, you know, they've got an eight nothing lead over Friends. They're 17 and three coming into this game. So there's definitely some teams around the nation that have surprised some people. Asbury 20 and 3, Blue Mountain 11 and 5 right now. So for yourself, you know, a lot of the upsets around the nation, it feels like there's a lot of teams that are uh doing better than we thought, you know, originally thought that that we would do. Of course, you you never know anything until we get on the field, but at the same time, Cody, just a lot of upsets that we didn't see coming this past weekend. Well, yeah, you mentioned friends. I mean, you look at a York team who entered last weekend with three wins and friends entered, you know, like 13, 14, something like that many wins and York sweeps them. I mean, just completely out of nowhere. You don't see it coming. Peru state taking a series over Mount Mercy. You just don't see it coming. Honestly, just kind of out of nowhere. Uh, as we mentioned in the big series in review, obviously mobile, just so many upsets last week of the top 25 teams, 19 of them dropped a game this weekend. 
I mean, only six teams went perfect. So, I mean, it's just really crazy week. March Madness is in full effect. I mean, just going through some of the teams you mentioned, Briarcliff at 19-2, and two, that is absolutely incredible. I don't think anyone saw Briarcliff winning 19 in their first 21. I mean, you look at a guy like Harrison Jestel on their team, he has seven home runs this season. I mean, he's seen 333 with two doubles and seven home runs, leads the team with 22 RBIs. So, yeah, Briarcliff obviously making a play in the G-Pack. We'll have to see when they play some of the better teams in the G-Pack. They're going to have to come up and play on some good teams like Concordia and Nebraska. But, yeah, just really shocking performances. McPherson's a team this weekend. What a series they have coming up with Oklahoma Wesleyan. I mean, obviously, this is the biggest series of the season right now for them. Uh, Asbury is a shocking team for a lot of people. Me and you were kind of high on Asbury, but that's because we were in the know. We talked to some of their coaches. But uh, what a series they have this weekend with IUS. Those are the top two teams in the KCAC. Those are the top two teams in the RSC or the River States. So we have some big matchups on deck this weekend. That'll really help us kind of differentiate who the top team is in these conferences. You said 19 of the top 25 teams went, you know, only 19 of the top 25 teams had dropped games this weekend. The teams that did not drop games, Kaiser, LCSC, Georgia Gwinnett, St. Thomas, Brian, McPherson, and Taylor were the only teams that did not drop games. And then most for most of the teams, they had winning records or 500 records in that week. But Middle Georgia State and Weber each going with one win in that week, as well as William Carey and Benu Mesa dropping a game as well. I believe Benu Mesa's only game, though, Cody, in that week, was that New Mexico State? It was. And shout out to Travis Hunt, who went out there and hit two home runs in that game. Absolutely. New Mexico State. Good performance by Travis Hunt. And while we're on that topic, Cody, I don't know if you got to watch any of that game. I, I did. Uh, the radio call, really good. Learfield IMG does a wonderful job. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure who, you know, how much radio you get to listen to, or, or I know you're a big Bama guy for football season, but uh, how much of that Bama radio calls you get to listen to? I know UT's a, a Learfield IMG. Craig Way does an incredible job. I think he's the future of the, you know, radio guy for the Dallas Cowboys when uh, Brad Sham finally retires. But at the same time, Cody, there are so many teams in the NAI with a better broadcast. I don't know if you got to watch any of that. Yeah, I got to see some of it. Remember, I was like, what is this? And you were confused what I was <laughs> yeah. talking about. Yeah, uh, Bama is, by the way, Learfield at IMG. Shout out to Eli Gold. That was an awful broadcast from a video production standpoint. I mean, some of the broadcasts in the NAI this year have been incredible. Shout out to Edward Waters. I sent it to you this morning. <laughs> you Edward did, Waters yeah. doing it right, man. Jacksonville there. <laughs> yeah, they look like they're the Marlins. I mean, that broadcast <laughs> was incredible. But, um, yeah, man, I, I – uh, you know, it's good to test yourself against a D1, and we applaud Ben U for the effort. Yeah, they went out there. They, they you know, had a couple of chances, and, uh, you know, they had they were even on hits. Both of those teams were even on hits, but I think at the end of the day, I think New Mexico State's hits were, you know, extra base hits, and a lot of the hits for uh, Ben U were, you know, singles and, and things like that. So uh, makes it a little bit tougher when you're putting balls in the gap and when you're getting balls through the hole you know, getting guys on in scoring position and, and getting guys on with singles, it's just really hard to score guys sometimes. So uh, really heck of a job, though. Got to watch that one fully and, and was absolutely rooting for Benny Mesa the whole way there. But, Cody, some of the players from around the nation that have kind of surprised you and, and really jumped out to you, I know offensively there's two freshmen, I think, right now that uh, have really jumped out and I'm going to go with 50 at-bats. I think that's what we went with earlier in, in uh, our statistical images that we put out on Instagram and Twitter. Was that the minimum threshold there, 50 at-bats? But if that's what I'm going to go with right now. Jaden Adams from Concordia, Nebraska, is hitting 521 as a fresh freshman. And then Rust, Rust, Mississippi, with 53 at-bats. Draylon Holmes, 547. I mean – that might be the first rust mention we have on this show. Oh, I think it definitely is. But you know what? He's been atop that list all season. He just has never qualified, right? Like, he hasn't had enough games. But shout out to him, like, finally qualifying. And, yeah, like, he deserves it. He deserves the mention. He's been incredible for rust. Yeah, team leader in hits, team leader in RBIs, team leader in home runs, doubles, triples. I mean, Draylon Holmes has done it all for Rust, who's 10-9 and nine on the year. And then uh, another guy that I wanted to highlight, just while we're taking a look at the underclassmen, Jaden Adams. I know we've talked about him before on this show, but Concordia, Nebraska, 
really found a good one there. He started all 19 games for them this season, hitting 521, 28 RBIs, four home runs, two triples, eight doubles, 37 hits on the year for him in 71 at-bats. Uh, is there anybody that really stands out for you? Well, yeah, I think it's St. Catherine outfielder Dylan Jacob. I feel like we haven't talked about him enough, but his numbers are insane, man. We talked about it earlier, like hitting north of 500 with 12 home runs. Check this out. Jacob is second nationally in total bases. He's fifth in runs scored, fifth in home runs, fifth in runs scored per game, sixth in triples, seventh in total hits, eighth in hits per game. I mean, the guy's top 10 in so many different offensive categories. Uh, kind of flying under the radar out there in the Cal Pack, but man, he has put together a monster season. I mean, honestly, he's on his way to an All-American season if he keeps this up. So, uh, yeah, he's just playing incredibly well. One of the things that I wanted to talk about really quickly before we get into pitchers also, Walker Paris from Asbury. You know, we we talk about the we can talk about the ERA for Asbury being really what it is and them having a, a two-flat two flat ERA coming into today with a 180 innings pitched. I mean, being super impressive, but – Walker Paris is currently fourth in the NAI right now for runs batted in with 42 RBIs. Uh, Tim Bouchard has worked his way back up there as well with 40 RBIs. Matthew Catalfo from Kaiser as well with 41. So Kaiser's got two kids that have 80 RBIs between each other right there. They have another guy with 38 on the season. Sam Faith, I think we don't talk about enough on this show or, you know, with Southeastern, he's got 38 RBIs. Trevor Johnson, Adam McPherson with 39 there's just so many players around the nation offensively that we can highlight. Uh, Omar Ortiz from Vanguard with 37. Uh, Griffin Keller, Georgia Gwinnett, Cody, a guy just down the street from you with 35. He's having a heck of a season. He, Great swing. Big time yeah. swing on that kid. Love that left-handed bat. Has an incredible swing. Really good player. Really impressed by him. Jacob Scott out of IU Southeast as well. There's just so many players nationally with 30-plus RBIs that we can talk about. I kind of want to look at the home runs category of oh, players yeah. so far this season. Gary Mattis, number one. We talk a lot about Gary Mattis. Brian Leaf, two. Luis Vargas and Nick Batari tied for three with 13 each. James Canner, Dylan Jacob out of St. Catherine, and then another Wayland Baptist player, Marco Rivera, with 12. Michael Slayton out of Ben U, or Benedictine, excuse me. Benedictine in Kansas, Michael Slayton with 11. Dalton Reed out of OCU, Oklahoma City University with 11. Brandon McKenzie, Hope International with 11. And then Zach Mazur out of Kaiser University with 10. That's every single player in the nation with 10-plus home runs coming into today. Cody, could we have a triple crown winner? I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to do at this level because there's so many teams – and everybody plays a different amount of games, and sometimes you play too many games, that hurts you. But Gary Mattis up there, number one in home runs. He's tied for first currently with Ramon Miranda uh, for RBIs. It, it really would just come down to batting average on the season for uh, Gary Mattis, which he's, you know, it's going to be really tough to do. He's hitting 444. And, oh, you know, you've, you've got guys that are going to, you know, Daryl Myers right now is hitting 580. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Mattis. I don't think Mattis can win the Triple Crown simply because of the batting average aspect. I mean, as you mentioned, he's hitting 440. And just because of the style of hitter he is, the park he plays in, I mean, let's be honest, the guy would rather hit home runs than hit singles. So I think when you look at just the style of hitter he is, uh, he's going to fly out some. So, I mean, obviously it's just going to happen. Uh, Gary Mattis is having an incredible season. I think when you look at the home run list, it's a who's who. Like these are it big is. time names. Like Brian Leaf is an incredible player. This guy was an All American a couple of years ago. Luis Vargas is finally back in the swick of things. You know he had a couple of games off, so he's back and he's going to kick up rolling. He had three home runs over the weekend. Uh, so yeah, I mean Nick Batari has been stellar. Obviously Nick Batari. I feel like Nick Batari. You know you would got to think this is probably the best he's been since 2018, right? I mean the guy's putting together a really good season. He's on pace for a 20 home run season. Yeah, no, he definitely is. And that's a guy that's had to battle through a lot of adversity and, and really bounce back from an injury and then bounce, you know, had to deal with COVID taking away a year as well uh, and, and comes back for really uh, just another year at Southeastern and is absolutely getting it done, crushing the baseball right now. So uh, I definitely think Nick Batari, with the way things are going, is is on pace to to hit 20. I want to take a quick look individually, Cody, if we can here at pitching as well. Um, I want to look first at some of the 
earned run average guys. And there are plenty of guys around the nation who qualify 20 plus innings pitch with ERAs under one. And taking a look at that right now, it's Drew Gillespie, a guy that I think we don't talk enough about on this show who has been absolutely phenomenal, has allowed two runs all season long, 42 in a third innings pitch with a .43 ERA. Uh, Asbury starting pitcher Tyler Morrison, 30 innings pitched as well, two earned runs allowed, .60 ERA. Alec Thomas at a Clark, 30, 32 and two-thirds with a .83 Colton Williams, a guy that that we talk about a lot on this show, 32 innings pitch, 0.84 ERA. You know, Chris Coyman, 31 innings pitch with a 0.87. And then a Mount Mercy's Jake Willenborg with 28 and a third with a 0.95 ERA. And I feel like I need to include Mayville State's Kenneth Stewart, who had a one who has a one ERA uh, in 18 innings pitch, but he's appeared in eight games already this season. So definitely a lot of guys out there that are throwing the baseball well, man. I mean, there's there's so many dudes out there with low ERAs getting it done. Absolutely. And you look at the first two, as you mentioned, we haven't talked about Gillespie enough. I agree. Gillespie is effectively the ace for Southeastern this year. Um, he's pitching game one every single time. Uh, he's their frontline guy right now, and he's just getting it done. You know, obviously the Mulcahy injury put pushed him up, and he's just taking advantage of it. He's only allowed – earned runs from one start this year, and I was against Point Park, and he pitched really well in it. Um, pitched really well in that Point Park game. It's funny, you look one below him, uh, Tyler Morrison, he's actually Asbury's number three. He's the game three guy for Asbury, but he's just been lights out every single time. Like, every single time they've needed him to be lights out, he's been lights out. When I look back at that Point Park game, series tied, and he throws a two-hit shutout. I mean, the guy's just been stellar for Morrison. And Alec Thomas with Clark, man, with Clark, when you look at Thomas and Kerman, there are so many good pitchers in the Hart Conference. I think if there's like one little fun fact I could spit out as any eyeball, it's like, man, if you look at that Hart Conference, there are a ton of really good starting pitchers in that conference. Mm-hmm. And Clark has two of them. Alec Thomas has been incredible, man. 33 innings, like you said. Uh, he doesn't give up many hits either. To have 55 strikeouts in 33 innings, that's really good numbers. Yeah, so he's been big time for them, man. As we know, Colton Williams – Coyman, the Tennessee Wesleyan number two. I mean, he's basically their 1B right there with Kobe Foster. Uh, he's obviously been a dude for them. He missed the weekend start. That's I think that kind of hurt Tennessee Wesleyan a little bit too this past weekend. Uh, Coyman threw against Cumberlands, so they did not have him against Columbia International. Now, there's still no excuse. I mean, obviously, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But, yeah, not having Coyman, who's obviously been incredible, 31 innings, 0.87 ERA, uh, you know, it's disappointing. But – Big-time stuff out of all these pitchers, man. I think this is kind of a who's-who's list, too. Uh, but Drew Gillespie, you're leading the way right now. I would say it's like, you know, is our midway, we're going to have like a midway pitcher of the year. Drew Gillespie's been every bit as good as anyone you can ask. To have 42 innings and have a 4-3 ERA, uh, it's truly remarkable. Got to give love to the closers as well. I'm going to move over to saves really quickly from an individual standpoint. Keegan Spradlin at a point with six. Austin Eggleston out of friends with six. Giovanni Nieves out of Bethel, Tennessee with six, and then Anthony DeFrancesco out of Arizona Christian with six as well. There's plenty of guys, Cody. I mean, we could not do midseason awards right now for pitchers. We we just couldn't because there's there, there's not anybody that really, not to say that they don't stand out above the rest, but there's so many guys throwing really well right now. I think batting, you and I could give it out already uh, if there was a midseason you know, offensive player of the year or midseason MVP, we know who we would vote for. And and at the end of the year, you and I do, and we take a lot of time and we argue back and forth on who's going to be all NAI ball. We argue who's going to be the pitcher of the year, who's going to be the reliever of the year, who's going to be, you know, the, you know, the, the MVP of the league. And you and I go back on forth on this a lot. And I think we have right now, you and I have somebody in mind that's the, the, MVP for us offensively and then pitching wise, I could not tell you. I mean, Austin Eggleston, I know, is really good for friends. He's done a really good job this year on the mound, closing out games. Starting pitching wise, I could not tell you anything about who would be our pitcher of the year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, pitching is just way harder because, like you said, we have people with different amount of innings, and pitching is one of those like where you're facing a whole lineup. So it's like quality of competition comes into play. It's just, yeah, pitching is really tough, man. It's really tough. That's what made last week, last year so incomplete. We had to pick between Jason Munch and Hunter Peck. And yeah. how do you do it when they both, one had 26 scoreless, one had 38? It's like, how do you pick between them? 
I mean, because Jason Lynch was every bit as good as Peck last year. Um, it's just really tough. Yeah. And I, I would think I feel the same way now. Picking a pitcher, I mean, you kind of just got to wait till the end. Are you going to give away who our hitter would be? Or how's that? I think, I think at the end, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give that away. But uh, I kind of, one last thing individually I wanted to look at was the other thing that I, I really pay attention to that I include always in our big series of the week that I don't think gets looked at enough is opponent batting average, guys that are keeping dudes off the base paths uh, that aren't allowing hits against them. Luke Shively, number one in the nation right now. 127 at-bats, 14 hits, 110 average for Taylor. Uh, Mayville State's Kenneth Stewart is has done really well at that, doesn't have as many at-bats against him, but allowing teams just a 117 average. Chris Coyman out of Tennessee Wesleyan, 120. Uh, Marion's Cole Apping, 130 opponent average against him. Another Mayville State guy in Matthew Johnston with a 137. Georgetown's Keon Taylor allowing just a 138 average. I mean, you go down this list, there's a whole page of dudes allowing less than a 200 average. Guys forcing opponents to hit below the Mendoza line. Of course, one guy that's done that for his career that, you know, has just consistently, consistently, consistently done that as a pitcher is going to be none other than you know, Colton Williams, who's on this list as well, opponents not hitting well off of him. I mean, Cody, there's so many good pitchers in this league. I just kind of wanted to go over that also because that's something that's often overlooked as well. We could look at wins. We could look at, you know, uh, batters struck out, but there's just so many good pitchers so far right now in the NAI. That's a, a something we're going to have to, have to, have to, have to give away at the end of the year. And it's going to be a battle if things continue in this direction. I mean, it's going to be an absolute battle to see who would win that award because I don't think I can't remember a, another year. And I know last year was shortened, but you know, thinking back to, to 2019, I can't remember another year where it was like, there's so many dudes that are really good at their job. We don't know who to give it to. No, I, I agree completely. Like 2019 was all Colton Williams this year. It's like, we don't have that separation yet. Uh, going back to a pointing batting average. We're so in seek, man. Cause I actually had that pulled up as well. And looking at Luke Shively, we obviously talked about he threw a nine-hitting, three-hit shutout this weekend. But uh, just incredible stuff with him, man. He has not allowed more than three hits in a start this season, which is just truly incredible. And he's had seven starts, and he's yet to allow more than three hits in a start. Uh, just truly tough. 37 innings, 14 hits this year. So I just want to give a shout-out to Shively. That whole staff can pitch. I mean, really, with Joe Moran and Noah Huseman, that whole staff can pitch. Taylor can pitch, and – uh, we're excited for Taylor, Indiana, Wesley in a couple of weeks because that's just going to be really good. Yep, that's that's definitely going to be something to watch. Uh, it's definitely going to be something to keep your eye on. I am absolutely looking forward to that. Cody, I want to get into it's the midseason right now. You picked Tennessee Wesleyan to win the national championship. They dropped a game. Do you want to change that? I mean, I know there was some talk about will they stay number one in a week when we have a new poll coming out on the 31st. One, do you think Tennessee Wesleyan is still your number one? Two, are you sticking with them to, to dogpile in Lewiston? Your preseason prediction of that, of course. Absolutely. I do think – I think they're the best team in the country. That doesn't change over the weekend, despite what we've had to tell other people that – uh, people don't understand that. No, man, they have the best resume. They swept IUS. They swept Indiana Tech. They beat Georgia Gwinnett. They swept Reinhardt. They swept Bryan. And I mean, just look at their resume. They have two wins over the number three team in the country, Cumberlands. They've been incredible. I'm not hating on them for dropping. Like I said, they were up 2 nothing in the seventh inning of game three. They get three outs. They win that series. It's no big deal. Uh, they do blow it. They blow the save. They lose 4-2. to two, And it does become a bigger deal. It maybe does it open the door a little bit for someone in the AAC. Maybe, but I doubt it. Uh, so, no, Tennessee Wesleyan is my number one team. I feel confident about that. And teams are going to drop series. I mean, it, it just happens. I mean, you look at some of those great Faulkner teams. I remember remember they went and dropped a series at Loyola a couple of years ago, and that team mm-hmm. played in the national title. That team was playing LC in the national title. They were playing for a chance to dogpile, and I remember they dropped a series at a bad Loyola team. I mean, it just happens, man. Like, I'm not too worried about Tennessee Wesleyan. I think that they've been incredible this year. I think Southeastern's right there on their neck. I think Southeastern's been every bit as good. Um, would I like be like blown away if Southeastern's number one? No. But do I think Southeastern should be number one? No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I saw something on Twitter uh, this weekend that I think really is is kind of important for this discussion from at John Chumbler. It's, he said, kind of crazy in an age of analytics, data, sabermetrics in all sports, 
Collegiate sports and publications still have weekly rankings where teams move up and down based on the outcome of the previous week rather than the entire body of work. To this moment, Tennessee Wesleyan still has the best body of work. They did. I get it. They lost. Move on. Move on. They're all, I guarantee you Billy Berry's on to the next weekend already. Guarantee you, 100%. Already forgot it. But at the end of the day, it's we get so obsessed with, oh, man, they lost. I mean, how many people, Cody, and I know we don't rank the teams, but how many people did we have message us, well, what does that say about your rankings? Oh, I know. Every time we post an upset, well, what does that say about your rankings then? Ho, ho, ho. And that means that people lose. It's fine. It's It's baseball. I mean, there's a reason why in the major leagues they play 162 games and nobody goes 162 and 0. Nobody goes on. If you win 100 games, you're a great team. That means you still lose, you know, 62 games if you win 100. It, it's it's crazy to me that we're like, oh man, well you know what? They're not undefeated anymore. They're no longer number one. To this moment, Tennessee Wesleyan has the best body of work. Now, Cody, I, I think that's going to change in a little bit because I think Tennessee Wesleyan's schedule was front loaded. I think Southeastern schedule is really because of the conference back, you know, the back part of their schedule is going to be really good. They still have to play Kaiser. They still have to play St. Thomas. Uh, it's going to be really, really good part of their schedules coming up. I know they got the Warner and the Weber series out of the way, but there's going to be some really good series coming up against teams that are still ranked in the top 25 and I things could change. And yeah, does Tennessee Wesleyan feel a two loss Southeastern team breathing down their neck? Absolutely. But do I think on the 31st of March that that should change? No, because I think still Tennessee Wesleyan's had the best body of work. I think Southeastern is number two. And I picked Southeastern to win the national title at the in the preseason. And that's just, you know, that's just my own thoughts overall on it and, and what I think, you know, as a whole for Tennessee Wesleyan and SCU. I think we're going to see some slight changes here and there, Cody, because there's a lot of teams who are on the cusp of, of being either outside of that top 10 or, you know, maybe even outside of the top 25 overall, who we could see some movement on. Oh, yeah. They're gonna, there's going to be some movement because uh, I think it's just hard to consistently rank the same team twice in two weeks, you know? So there's going to be some change with it. You know, there are some teams that are going to be fighting for placement this weekend. Hope International, big weekend for them. They have a tough test. Uh, they dropped two games last weekend. Can't afford to drop two more. Uh, Middle Georgia State, can't afford to drop a series this weekend. So, yeah, I think this is a big weekend for some teams, bigger than others. Obviously, Vanguard. Uh, you know, they dropped two games last weekend just to be in the top four. Now, they're not going to fall out of the top 10. Their body of work, like we said, speaks for themselves. But to be a top five team, they can't afford another split. So, yeah, I think this is a big poll. I think it's honestly a crazy March madness of a weekend. Uh, that last week was the craziest week we've had so far this season, like by far. Absolutely. So, and I mean, isn't it ironic that it literally comes on the weekend of the NCAA tournament? I mean, I just, the irony there is unreal. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new poll next Wednesday, though. I'll tell you that. It is. I think for a team like Freed Hardeman that's sitting at like number 19 right now, playing a really good Southeastern ball club, you have a chance to make a statement there if you can go out this weekend. And we're going to talk about it more. That's our big series of the week. Sorry, everybody. But, uh, you know, I, I, you have an absolute chance if you're Freed Hardeman to make a statement there and pick up some big ones. Uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan taking on McPherson, as we'll get into that more in a minute. That's going to be a huge one in the KCAC. There's still a lot of teams in the Appalachian Athletic fighting for position. That's going to be something interesting to watch. Uh, Oklahoma City has looked good the last you know last weekend, uh, but still dropped a game. That was a, a tough loss for them. So they've got now 10 losses on, on the year, and they're going to be, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. Cody, I mean, it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens, but uh, we don't know what every we don't know who every Raider is. We don't know what every Raider goes off of. We don't know what every Raider is thinking. But win or lose, you know, no matter what, win or lose this weekend, we're going to have a new top twenty-five coming out on Wednesday, and uh, yeah, we will continue to post the upsets from the weekend. And I still cannot wait to have to tell people like, you know, hey, we we don't we don't do the poll, so it'll be really really interesting um uh, i assume you're sticking with tennessee wesleyan that's that's the team you're still going to st stick with to win the national oh, yeah. title I'm, I'm sticking with southeastern but i think we can agree i think we can agree that right now uh the the best hitter in the nation is is gary madison if there was a mid-season award for best hitter in the nation it would be gary madison is who we would give that award to Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you look at Tennessee Wesleyan's schedule, the numbers he's put up against the teams he's played has been incredible. 
And he's so clutch, too. I mean, the game-winning walk-off home run against Cumberland, the number three team in the country. Uh, you and I were watching even the CIU game from this past weekend. Uh, remember, he doubled. Like, he came yep. up with the bat. He doubled and extended the game. Now, ended up, they ended up losing, so it didn't matter. Hogeson, I believe, grounded out the third. I want to say that's how that game ended. Second, yeah. Okay, okay, grounded out. Okay, yeah, grounded out. And, uh, but, yeah, like, I mean, just came up clutch with two outs. Mattis extended the game. The guy's clutch. Um, like I said, they've played Reinhardt, Brian, Gwinnett, Cumberland. It's just such a good schedule. So, yeah, I think that to have 15 home runs already is just truly insane. He's a special player. And I think he's must-watch baseball, too, kind of like Vargas. It's just like every time he's up to bat, you want to watch him at bat. Like, he's just fun. He's a special talent. And, uh, yeah, it's just fun to watch the kid play. No, I absolutely agree. He He's a special talent. I mean, he's he's really good baseball player. He does everything right, does everything well you know, absolutely gets after it in every single way. And uh, he's just been a, a blast to watch. I feel like every time I tune in, he does something special. Uh, the, the two times that stick out the most to me is the walk-off three-run home run against Cumberland. And then, you know, he had that big double against CIU to, to try and, you know, make make the game come back. You know, it was it was really, really good ball game there. Try to finish the comeback, but they couldn't get it done. Uh it just feels like every time I look up and he's up to bat, I have to pay attention. I'm keeping an eye on Gary, you know, Gary Madison, when he's going to come up and when his slot is and where is he hitting in the order. And, and the dude is just really, really, really good ball player. Uh, so, Cody, midway through the year, anything else to add on on what we're going through so far this season? I mean, it's been a lot of teams getting going. I feel like conference has started for almost you know, it should have started by now for just about everybody. I think even the CCAC started. Uh, everybody has started except the Association of Independence, the AII, who gets two bids, Cody. What's going on there? But uh, I don't believe the North Star has has started either. I, I could have swore Bellevue. Well, I don't – it might have not have been conference games, but I know Bellevue and presentation played last week, but it might not have counted. That's the confusing thing with this year, especially, like, with the KCAC and the Sun Conference. All these, like, midweek – non-conference in air quotations double headers between teams in the same conference so like we don't know if it counts as a conference game or not very confusing stuff but uh yeah i mean no i think just the final thoughts tennessee wesley number one southeastern number two cumberland number three i think through the mid-season those are your top three teams of the country and obviously we'll see what happens in june 100 agree i will 100 agree with you on that on the top three tennessee wesley and one southeastern two cumberland's three uh, and then just really interested to see this weekend Vanguard and Central Methodist and see if they could be interchangeable in those spots or even what happened with Faulkner. William Carey, you know, has has an interesting series this weekend as well. So we're going to go all over all of that right now. Games and series that you need to be watching. And I said we weren't going to do it the next week, but here we are doing it again because Dak Stats is never correctly updated. And I have no idea who's actually going to play if we're missing a series. Cody, I actually tweeted about that this past weekend that because Dak Stats is not updated, it's there's so many errors, and there's even errors on team websites. And I understand. Look, I, I, I myself at one point was an interim SID as a full time student. Like I understand, and that I know that sounds crazy, but we had nobody else who knew how to stat anything. But it's it's really hard. I understand the SID life. It's it's never easy. There's always something going on. You've got multiple sports going on in the fall. Excuse me, in the spring right now. So that that are normally fall sports. So there's there's just a lot going on. Uh, but at the same time, to not have the website updated, we we miss out. And then we have people on our tail about why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you talking about that? We don't even know about it. I mean, there's no Dak Stats is the only centralized website we have for this. Uh, I was talking with the coach about what it would take to get a a you know a, a scoreboard. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier in the year. A scoreboard like D1Baseball.com has. I said they have a partnership with with the NCAA that allows them to do that. You know we don't have the same we don't have the same partnership going on. Uh, and, and at the same time, there's no centralized place where all the games are correct. And so Daxstats has been kind of really crazy this year. A lot of errors going on on it. So we have no idea who's playing who, but I've got these games listed as games that you should be watching from around the nation, games that you should be really keeping a close eye on. IUS versus Asbury, a huge one in the River States. Oklahoma Wesleyan versus McPherson. William Carey versus Loyola. Georgetown versus Cumberland's Kentucky. Huntington Taylor. Bryan versus Milligan. Columbia International takes on Reinhardt. Middle Georgia State versus Bruton Parker. 
Concordia Ann Arbor versus Indiana Tech, Clark William Penn, Georgia Gwinnett in Campbellsville. And then, Cody, I'm excited to say NAI Ball on the road this weekend. I'm making the 250-mile trek up to San Antonio, Texas, making the 250-mile trek north. Yes, there are things south of San Antonio making the trip north to San Antonio, 250 miles to watch Our Lady Lake and LSU Shreveport on Saturday, 1 o'clock, first pitch in that doubleheader. Excited to be there for that one uh, at Missions Baseball Complex. So, Cody, which of these games and series really stands out to you? I mean, there's three huge series this weekend with conference implications. One that you mentioned, just not even on DAC stats, uh, number four Vanguard hosting number 10 Hope International for four games. There we go. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Yep, just not even on DAC stats at all, number one and number And, you know, I hate to throw the West Coast teams under the bunch, but the GSAC and the CalPAC team's refusal to use DAC stats live webcast. Yeah, I mean, but I get it. You know, it's – some teams do it, some teams don't, but – I mean, there's games today, Cody, like on DAC stats that aren't complete yet. They're not done. They're finalized, but the the game isn't clicked as finished. Game ended. And DAC stats is run. The, the crazy thing is, is that DAC stats is run throughout all levels. I remember working spring training and using DAC stats at a major league level. It, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to me. I know it's not the most convenient thing ever. It's, it can look kind of like Tecmo Bowl sometimes online, but uh, it's our centralized website. And we, if the scheduling was just correct, man, it would help so much more in our efforts to cover NAI baseball. Yeah, it's, it's honestly frustrating. I have to, you know, me, I tweet all the little scores. So I'm always having to go to like their stretch portal page to pull stats, which on an iPhone looks so clunky and I hate it. Another another story, another day. So Vanguard Hope International, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, in the river states, IUS and Asbury. If Asbury wins this series, put them in the top 25. What are we waiting on? I mean, they're already 20-3. and three. If they go out there and they win the series over Point Park, sweep Indiana Kokomo, and they take the series over IUS, crown them RSC champs, put them in the top 25. And then last but not least, the KCAC. Uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan and McPherson, number 16, number 17, the top two teams in the KCAC. Obviously going to be a heck of a series. I will be looking forward to those games. I'm really excited to do NAI ball on the road. Uh, I don't know if my my videographer is coming with me yet to San Antonio, Cody. So I know <laughs> videographer. <laughs> I don't know if my videographer is going to make the trip to San Antonio with me or not this weekend. So if she does, you know, uh, she caught some really good videos the last time uh, when we went up there to watch Our Lady Lake and Central Methodist. But uh, if Jackie doesn't make the trip with me this weekend, then you're going to be stuck with just my my boring old reporting man and, and me, you know, trying to remember to uh, film interviews horizontally. I know. You're the worst at that. You film everything vertically. It's <laughs> terrible. It it is it is it is bad, man. I'm 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 old school like that. I, I you know I don't I don't know these things. You're always on my on my case afterwards. But as as before, we get into big series of the week. If you're an SID out there, I mean, we have conversations constantly with SIDs about you know what games are going on, things like that. Feel free to slide into the DMs. Feel free to tell us what's going on, who's playing who. You know, uh, we have really good relationships with SIDs. We'd love to cultivate and grow those you know, more and more, uh, intern does such a great job of reaching out to SIDs and getting, you know, pictures for us for graphics and things like that. Everything is done with permission. So we're super excited to continue that. And if you're an SID that, you know, wants to tell us about the score, who really made a difference in your game, slide into the DMs, let us know, let us know ahead of time. Don't, you know, tell us before we even have to go to DAC stats. I guarantee you Cody will love it a lot more if he just has to go to his DMs inbox to look at something instead of having to go to DAC stats and, and pull scores. So uh, just some food for thought there is, as we love to talk to different people around the nation and get different perspectives from around the nation as well. So Cody, big series of the week brought to you by our sponsor, Silverback Sports at shopsilverback.com and shop Silverback on Twitter and social media. SCU versus Freed Hardeman. For Freed Hardeman, they're 14 and 9, 8 and 1 in the Mid-South Conference. They're actually playing Thomas right now as we speak. A 283 team average, a 456 team ERA. Josh Sears on the season, 379 average, 25 hits, 7 home runs, 22 RBIs. Zach Sanders hitting 384 with 28 hits, 24 runs. And then Jacob Sawyers has been lights out on the mound. A 129 ERA, a 5-1 record, 42 innings pitch, and a nation high. I want to say it's a nation high. 76 strikeouts. I, I know you can confirm that for me here in a little bit. 
But then for Southeastern, 26-2, and 7-2 and two in Sun Conference play, 287 runs scored in 28 games, 341 team average, a 301 team ERA. Sam Faith is hitting 446 with 441 hits, nine home runs, 38 RBIs. Nick Batari with a 376 average, 39 runs, 13 home runs, 27 RBIs. Drew Gillespie mentioned his name as much as possible in this episode because he's got a 0.43 ERA with 42 and a third innings pitched, a 4 0 record, 57 Ks. And a 140 opponent average, absolute and get absolutely just getting some major things done there. Cody, man, this is going to be a big series for both teams. For Southeastern, a chance to put some, you know, to get a really good win on the resume. And then for Freed Hardeman sitting at number 19, you know, at 11 or at 14 and 9 entering this weekend, really an opportunity to. I mean, 14. They, I don't think uh, after the Tom, say, say they beat Thomas, say they're 15 to 9. 15, you know, 18 and and 9 sounds a whole of a heck of a lot better than, you know, 15 and 12. So a huge opportunity for Freed Hardeman. I mean, it really is. It's a get-right series, right? I mean, obviously they're not where they want to be, but this is the challenge. When they saw their schedule, they knew going to Southeastern, is it's a huge deal. I mean, whether they're number one, number two, number three, doesn't matter. Like, you know, going to Southeastern, it's a big one, man. And these two teams have history. Let's not forget. Uh, they played twice in the NAI World Series in 2018. Uh, Southeastern beat them both times, beat them in the national championship game, six to three, played off in an elimination game in 2019. Southeastern beat them them too. So uh, they actually won the last three, all three being in Lewiston. So this is a big time matchup, man. You got Josh Sears, you got Sawyers, like he said, with his 76 strikeouts. I mean, he's punching out double digits every weekend. I mean, it's truly been special to watch with him this year. Uh, so you're going to bring Josh Sears and Jacob Sawyers on the road, play Sam Faith, Nick Batari, and Drew Gillespie. Uh, Camacho, the Pittsburgh transfer, has been incredible for their game two guy. Uh, that was a big time matchup, man. We're looking forward to this one. I think it was a no brainer, big series of the week because even though Freed Hardeman's ranked the number 19 team in the country, if Freed Hardeman plays their best baseball, they're a top 10 team. They're just super talented. Yep. Like, I mean, they haven't played it yet and they've dealt with some injuries and they've lost some guys. You know, they haven't had Austin Steele. So, I mean, some of the things have, you know, not played in their favor, but when they put it all together, that's a team that's going to make an opening round. I feel comfortable with that. They're going to make an opening round, and they can win it. So what a huge weekend. I believe they're going to play four games. So just a big-time matchup between these two teams who are non-conference foes, uh, rematching finally in Florida. So, yeah, it's a big-time weekend. I think Freed Hardeman knows, like you said, they take a couple of games. Even if they split, they take a couple of games off Southeastern. What an opportunity for them. A huge opportunity for FHU. And and really, Cody, I think they just make that Mid-South Conference so much better like as a whole. And they really push it to where we were talking about is the Mid-South, you know, maybe a few years ago, are, are they top top five? It's not that anymore. It's they are. It's just where in the top five do they land? And right now I would feel more comfortable putting them, you know, closer to where in the top three are they as far as conference rankings go. Uh, so I'm really excited to see this series this weekend. I think it's going to be a great matchup. Um, I'm really looking forward to keeping up with it, uh, you know, on Friday. And then of course, when I'm in San Antonio on Saturday, so going to be a huge, 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 big series of the week brought to you by Silverback Sports. That will do it for us this week. Before we get going, Cody, man, final thoughts on episode nine, season four of the NAI Ball podcast. A lot that we went over this week. Yeah, absolutely huge week, man. Like I said, this is our biggest weekend yet with just some of the matchups we have in the GSAC, RSC, and the KCAC, and then obviously that huge series down in Lakeland. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of good NAI baseball this weekend, a lot. There's going to be some great NAI baseball this weekend, and Cody and I will have all of the information that you need going forward. Of course, it starts here with the NAI Ball podcast, and then it moves to Twitter and Instagram at NAI Ball to follow Cody. If you haven't done so already and you're listening to this, you need to. What are you doing? You have to do it right now. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, welcome on in if you've made it this far. And we absolutely need you to download the podcast and subscribe as well. Continue listening week in, week out. We appreciate all of you who do that, who've downloaded. Whether you downloaded one or a hundred times, it doesn't matter. We really, really, really appreciate y'all in all of your effort in keeping us going here at NAI Ball and being part of our family as well. So that'll do it for us. For Cody Butler, who you can find at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram, 
I'm the host of the NAI Ball podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063, if you want to talk NAI baseball with myself. Until next time, this has been Season 4, Episode 9 of the NAI Ball podcast. We hope you have a great day, and even better tomorrow. Stay safe.